Hello and welcome to Rule of Carnage. This is a podcast, a series of videos. It's many things to many people. It's a place where we talk about designing better miniature games. Who are we? Um, this guy, Mike Hutchinson, who is a game designer and developer, and myself, Glenn Ford, who is also a games designer and developer. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the digital tools that uh, you might want to use while developing your game, putting together the, um, the, 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 the graphics, the images, the, the text and such. And then just recently, we were talking about the physical user interface, the way that people physically play your game uh, and what they pick up and use at the tabletop. The, um, the intelligent observer will notice that there's a place between having something digitally on screen and then having it physically at the tabletop. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We can talk about how you physically, or at least how we physically prototype the bits and pieces of, of, of games as we're sort of testing them, uh, as we're putting them together at the tabletop. And I think it's I think it's super important to do some physical prototyping as soon as possible that's as close as you can get it to the way you imagine the game is going to finally be played. Um, you learn so many lessons. Um, you know, you, you can theory bash a lot of rules um, and numbers and stuff, um, but until you physically hold cards in your hand and place tokens on the tabletop, there's always a whole chunk of information that's going to be lost to you um, that you want to get into as quickly as possible and realise, oh, I was, an, I was an idiot for saying to do that. This is horrible and my hands feel like fudge as I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. um, so literally, sort of, you know, we've both got like a, a set of tools sat around us. Um, so I think we'll just run through some of the techniques of how you physically like put things together. So we might... Um, Sounds good. Sounds good. I've got, so I just pulled this down from my shelf that's always next to me. This is my playtesting box that when I'm feeling like I'm going to be doing some game design stuff, I'll pull this out. Um, I'm sure you've probably got a similar box like this. This is one of many, but this is a box of bits and bobs that contains some Roman gaming coins that uh, my sister-in-law bought me, some 30 mil tokens. Yeah, there we go. Some extra tokens from board games that I don't use in a couple of different sizes. Yeah. Some, some gems, some plastic gems. I like those. This is just like bits and bobs scavenged. I've got another one here filled with different sizes of dice. What have you got in there? Yeah. They... So this is one of four of these racks that are sat on the on the desk next to me. And what we got here? Let's see. These are uh, blank paper tokens. These oh, are yeah. peoples, um and diamonds. Lots of euro cubes. Um, there's some poker dice in that um, in that box. Poker oh, dice. I keep wanting to do something with poker dice. Yeah, I should be able to do something with poker dice. Uh, we've got so we've got some poker chips in that box. Um, yeah, so uh, the, the for me, this is a representation of being an absolute magpie with like garbage games. Um, you know, if you're going by a charity shop and there's a battered sort of copy of a game, um, if you have played through a legacy game and yeah. got a whole bunch of components in it, you've got a box, they go. Um, yeah, every, every time there's sort of a, a, a set of like any, any, any game component, it all gets sort of stored away into a box somewhere. 
Um, and I think they they offer they 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 serve a couple of purposes. I think that obviously for physically prototyping things, but there's a there's a level of inspiration you can get. Like you say, just picking up poker a set of poker dice. It's like uh, gotta, there's got to be something surely in 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 making these guys work. And I think there's 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 something that I have never quite sort of made peace with, which is like as I'm using these bits of uh, board games, like most of the games that I've developed so far, almost exclusively all of them, have not had the opportunity for like punch card boards of tokens that go along with it. So uh, there's a sort of tension between exploring what it would be like to play this game if it was if it had punch card tokens versus, you know, wanting to push away from them and be like, well, it, it's nice that I've thought of using these little numbered tokens for this job, but others won't. And if they become so essential, it's really the best way to do it. Then I'm going to have to figure out some way of providing that experience, even if it's just in, in a, in a book format. Yeah. Okay. So, so we, we, we scavenge things from other games because they give us ideas and they give us ways of using. Yep. Um, you talked about this last time, but like measuring widgets and all kinds of like objects for uh, objects for exploring how you might describe space. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is good to mess about with because if you just always use a tape measure, you will always just use a tape measure. One thing that I have an awful lot of and stacks and stacks of are uh, de decks of playing cards. Um, do you so, buy do you buy them do you buy them in themes to get you inspired so here's like here's ones with like s sort of pulp themed covers or these ones we've got like w world war ii aircraft or these <laughs> ones look like they're in space you're i mean the thing about the like bicycle and whatnot is you can have cards themed to any subject under the sun and i think that's one where you can sort of go deep into that is like like picking a font you know when you're picking a font and you go onto like one of the font websites that have like That's a right. fonts and you lose yourself a solid two hours just going there's a there's a similar element as well where you're like i just i just got these like lime green dice out that i remembered like sometimes you just have to get the right color of dice because you're like <laughs> no no this game this game is the one where I use the lime green dice and I don't have any of those, but that's what's important. Well, it's also it's where like, it sits in that place where it's like, I don't think that there's necessarily like some of this is not about picking the right components for your game. It's about exploring how others might invent components or trying to figure out what's important or, or just inspire yourself. It's also I the so maybe the dice colours will have to match for a particular part of the game. Right. I, don't, I don't have quite enough green dice, so now I need to go out and buy green dice. Um, in relation to cards, um, yeah, I think that there's like it, it's so some practical advice about um, like prototyping cards. I think that there are um potentially three four different ways let's say of of prototyping a card way one is um so i've got here a steel ruler and a, a circular cutter um you can totally use a, a craft knife but if you do a lot of card prototyping you'll you'll want a, a circular cutter um i need so to get a circular cutter i don't have one of those uh, you know, hobby craft. I'm sure there are I just, other. Yeah, I just use a knife and a rule. Yeah, well, the, done the, for years. So the, the the circle cutter is just for straight lines, much better. And because 
card blunts blades like like nobody's business and with this you can get a nice yeah, that's the other thing you need to have a massive box of knife blades yeah uh, you can get a nice clean shot with the, with the circle cut which is quite nice so particularly if you're um as we were talking about prototyping quick reference cards um you know a sheet of card stock i've got reams of card stocks are just under the table there a can of um quick adhesive spray stick your sheet of nine cards onto your card stock steel ruler cut 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 you've got a set of nine cards and they're fine for a quick reference card because quick reference cards you don't need to not know which card it is you're pulling out of a deck because it's a quick reference card so you know when it when when it's open information that's absolutely fine and you can make really sort of lovely bespoke cards etc so, so I'll, I'll just i'll just say that i tend to print directly onto cardstock this is like heavy paper uh so i don't i don't use the spray method because uh, i hate getting everything gummy uh i like i like to have colored cores on my <laughs> Yeah, that, that's your other issue. It's like it's not it's not you're not hanging out in the garage with solvent sprays <laughs> enough of it, is it? Really? Um so the 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 quick um uh, an easy method of having cards that you uh can stack and not know which card it is you're pulling, which I think Mike is picking up there, is card sleeves. Super, oh, yes. super simple. You should have, you know, a wealth of card sleeves, they're very cheap. You print out your card, you get any random playing card you have available, stick it behind it. You've got a nice sort of... I mean, to, to be honest with you, when you get these thick, nice ones, like I, I just put paper inside these and they're basically fine. You don't even need to put playing cards in necessarily. If you use the cardstock stuff and then sleeve them up, that works really nicely as well. I use these all day long. Um, uh, and, and, and also because they end up, as you know, they're wipeable, so you can put... Yeah stack cards in it which can have wipeable interfaces on them um so the thing i like to do um is a cheap random deck of cards from you know whatever local pound store um a set of uh, paper, st paper sticky labels and some friction erasable pens friction erasable pens generally are one of the best inventions of the last couple of decades um one interest why do you like them more than pencils because pencils fade when you don't want them to, and the friction erase pens don't. And Except it, when you left them in your car at winter, right? Okay, so friction erasable pens erase <laughs> using heat, and one of the fascinating side effects is they come back in extreme cold. Absolutely so, mad. So if you do friction erase repeatedly on a card and then leave it in the boot of your car because you're going from playtesting venue to playtesting venue in February, you will suddenly discover that all of your old <laughs> writings and all notes old rules. reappear like ghosts. I random things I want to put into a game. I want a game where you have to put the playing card into a fridge to reveal like hidden information. <laughs> That 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 has to be a thing somewhere in some sort of place. Okay. Um, now I like I like doing that, but partly because I like to change a card in the middle of playtesting, um, and I, I you know I would rather rub and write than pull thing something out of a sleeve and put it back in again. Um, the other option in relation to that sort of thing is if you do go to game conventions relatively regularly. 
Um, and certainly if you go there with games that, you know, might get printed, lovely people will turn up and give you boxes and boxes of blank white cards to show you the card stock that they manufacture their games from. Um, and, you know, they're totally free. They're, they're, they're blank other than uh, a company name, Long Pack Games, uh, in this particular case. And they come in like different card weights. Um, here's a a pvc card if such a thing were, were to amuse you um and you you know they, they literally give them away if you ask for a white pack or um a white games pack they will give you a box full of tokens and cards and punch boards and all sorts of things uh and the purpose of those is to show you the the weight and texture of a game when you're printing it just a bit of background they'll send you a white box of the game and then send you a printed copy of the game but the printed copy won't be on final card stock um and so guys are just wandering around board game conventions with sacks of white boxes um that if you pay like a bit of attention and and act interested in they'll just give you um so that's that's an extra thing that you can so i think so i think one of the differences between our approaches um is that uh, you will use you will use cards in a very sort of sketch way where you'll you'll take a blank card and you'll take a pen to it. I think I tend going back to the digital episode uh, tool episode. I tend to think by making early designs of cards. So like here I've got like a simple scroll for a spell. All of these spells have got like the same. Um, simple graphic design but i just changed the text and i will print these out you know dozens of times during play testing but it's also the fact that like going through a sort of lightweight version of designing a card just helps me think through the user interface so here i've got like i've got these like different like here's the here's the card from a mech game i was working on here's like a an iteration of a gaslands card that i was using for some different purpose and i find that I will produce dozens and dozens of these little bits of paper and cut them up with a knife and stick them in cards and use them for one game and then throw them away. But it's me exploring what the um, what the sort of user interface might feel like. Um, I actually very rarely draw directly on cards because um, I just I've got the digital tools sort of under my fingertips enough that it would take me less time to sort of copy and paste a bit of text out of the working document than it would to write them all out. I think, and this is, I mean, it's an interesting sort of observation about process. I think it's a vaguely interesting observation. Look, I, the, the audience will be the judge of that, Glenn. Well, yeah, very much so. I find out sometimes what the graphic design is going to be because of the way that I write on the card and the thing that I, you know, if you if, need to if, highlight or. Yeah, if I realise I've missed something or, or, or can't see it, and so I write it in bigger or underline it or. Um, right. Or I've got a sheet where things are stacked up and I want to know where that goes. So I'll draw a box around it for now. And then I come back and I look at this scroll thing of a box on it. All right. Well, that box needs to actually be hmm. made in a, in a bit of graphic design. Um, tokens. So, uh, yeah, ahead, go, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say a very simple thing you can pick up from any uh, craft store are um, shaped hole punches. So that is a heart punch. 
and you can get lots and lots of health tokens out of a piece of red card. Got circle ones, stars, shields. Also. Yeah, I've got, I've got one that's like a one-inch circle because that's really useful for many yeah, things. Yeah, yeah gen a general circle one. Um, but you can you can have lovely shaped ones, so you can sort of help reference yourself as to to what something's for. You can get a bit of more of a look to it. Um, so here's here's a slightly odd one, but I find myself doing this quite often. So here. And also here, ignore the box art. This is not what this is. These are tiny micro playtest sets of my games. So here inside this tobacco tin is an absolutely minuscule version of Hobgoblin. Here are the tiny units. Uh, and there are some teeny tiny dice and there's a teeny tiny tape measure. Um, this means I can take this wherever I want and I can mess about with it. There we go. And here is a tiny, I think this is a tiny... Uh, now, this is a tiny gaslands with little cars <laughs> and little pieces of terrain that are very flat. So I can take this wherever I want and play gaslands on a train or whatever. Um, so this is, I'm not necessarily recommending this, but like I have found myself making miniature versions of my games because it means that I can, um, sometimes it just means I can like sort of mess about with them and conceptualize them and push them about in otherwise like hotel rooms where I'm on a work trip or something. And I think I think this is one of those uh, one of the thing that is probably I mean say probably definitely a weird thing about game designers is the um the the components and the things that speak to you and inspire you and that you feel like you've got to build a a game around. I have a, a shelf of different shaped boxes, magnet cap catch boxes. I I I I, I love a, a magnet catch box catch box i don't know why i'm obsessed with them i just i want to make games that that close in, so a satisfying, in a satisfying manner and i yeah and i have different shaped boxes there's a box that's in the shape of a book there's four different magnet catch boxes um because that for some reason it, it really i find it really enjoyable having the right kind of box um, and I think the, the point of that is if there's a if there's a random thing that like a component that you love being exactly right in a game, stockpile versions of that component, um, you know, have it on display for yourself because that's that's fine. It's lovely that you have your 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 thing you need to get right and getting it just right for the right game will really, I think, trigger a lot of thoughts about it and a, and, a, and a lot of sort of um mental processes um so here's, here's on tokens as well here's one other thing that i've been messing around with so these are um mdf circular bases that you were you know the cheapest sort of wargaming base that you can buy you get these four kinds of places like sarissa and war bases and stuff and um what you can do is you can print out and glue things on the other side so i've been using these as like um nice objective markers or whatever um yeah my uh, I've I've mentioned once or twice uh, in the past few videos my my indulgence of last year, which is a, a Cree cut um, cutting machine mm. that allows me to cut objects of any shape, sort of in in great detail, out of uh, one and a half mil cardboard, and and that's um, that's hours of fun doing templates and and uh, and terrain for 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 games and things of that nature. We'll be back in just a second. Uh, in relation to uh, things that are very inspiring, and I think possibly to round off this conversation, yep. um, 
I was going to sort of bring up the subject of kit bashing miniatures for a prototype. Um, just quickly, um, when when and if you should uh, like kit bash or put together or just source the miniatures for your game. Now, that's it. I was because I, I was going to say I think there's two answers to this, and we have two different answers. Well, I mean, so I mean, personally, I almost always. Uh, a kit bash uh, in partly just because of years of sort of building up her stock of um uh of a bits box but my point is um here that it is important to know what process your players are likely to go through um in acquiring the miniatures to play your game i i think so um are they going to quickly and easily find some pre-made miniatures because your game is about, you know, whatever, zombies and American beat cops, because that's going to take you about five minutes. Um, are you expecting to, them to do a sort of Ink 28 kit bash, um, green stuff, modelling process? Are you expecting them to source them from like i don't know my minis factory where there's like a million different minis you can have printed very very quickly where, where on the scale do you expect your players to hit when they're when they're getting them interested for your game and what what is that experience like um i think that during your prototyping process you should try and acquire what you think is likely to be one of the forces for your game um, I mean, honestly, like I, I almost start there. Like, I, mean, I, I quite often like the genesis, the very initial gestation. No, what happened? What do you call it when a little plant suddenly pops out of its seed? germination? The germination moment. Quite often for me is I've got this idea of like a mechanic or a thing that I want to like sort of explore, um, and then I will go on to google and i will try and find miniatures for it and if i can easily find miniatures for it that sort of speak what i'm trying to say then i'm like oh, okay we're over the first hurdle there's also another hurdle here where when i'm coming up with a game name i will google it to find out whether that game name is already taken and that's like the, the other first hurdle but for me like one of the one of the challenges i've got with um my desire to break out of the existing sort of genre tropes of miniature games and my desire to make miniature games is that it's really right now it's changing a bit but I think up until now it's been very true that like I've wanted to make things where finding the miniatures is not going to be a difficult chore um, and kit bashing the miniatures is not something that you are forced to do in any of my games even in Gaslands um, so I don't know for me it's like a really early uh exploration to find out if i say you have to have 70s you know british civilians that are unarmed like how many places can i find british unarmed civilians from the 70s and how difficult will that be uh, uh, finding unarmed miniatures is just an unnecessary if you want a zombie right you can have a zombie in any set of clothing any period any genre 
want a normal unarmed businessman like going about his day in 28 millimeters you may as well have four heads it's just that's it you're a lunatic for wanting that no i know i'm uh, like one of my subgenres of uh of collecting miniatures is collecting unarmed miniatures because yeah. we talked about skulljacker on many episodes ago skulljacker needed a bunch of civilians in a sort of science fiction cyberpunky way there's a few that have ranges, like hassle-free miniatures has a, an awesome range. Um, uh, Heresy miniatures has an awesome range. And so I started buying them up. And like occasionally they'll spring up like a new range called Colony 37 or something just came out from um, from Crooked Dice. And like I had to empty my cart a couple of days ago because I was like, unarmed miniatures, like buy them, buy them, buy them. I was like, I don't, I don't need them right now. But like that is definitely a subset. Like, so I, I think... I think the the other thing I wanted to say, because I think this might differ in our approaches, is I'm I'm trying to think back to it. I don't believe I've ever kit bashed a miniature for one of my games. Never. I just don't think I ever have. Because for me, the the process is like I'm working on perilous tales. Okay, what miniatures can I bring in to this game that will feel awesome? And then when I bring them in, I'm trying to explore like okay, how easy is it to find alternatives, or how easy will it like are, are the miniatures now? Are most people going to be buying a certain kind of miniature? So, for example, like when you're buying vampire stuff, like most people are going to be able to get like sort of oldie worldy Dracula era vampire stuff or like maybe modern stuff. So if I pitch it in the wrong period, I suddenly make my miniature game really inaccessible because the specific miniatures aren't available um, but I, I want to hear from you because I think you're more naturally drawn to uh, to kit bashing. But honestly, it's it's just not a thing I do. I mean, my my I think my default position to to sort of to making miniatures is to kit bash them out of you know I I I will go to the bits box before I sort of go to buy a miniature for all games, you mm. know, irrespective of where I'm prototyping it or not. Um, and for me, it's sort of, and I've always been a, a converter and a kit basher and a, and a, and a, and a hacker at, at miniatures with knives. And for me, the process of laying out the bits and selecting them, uh, you know, and sort of, oh, I know what I need. I, I'll go through this box to that. That it's, that's a whole process of like, you know, coming to, coming to know that miniature and who they are and and what they're about and what they're doing and it's a sort of it's a little a little ritual of yeah going going through the the various sets of miniatures and certainly I'll sort of I'll look online and try and find how easy or difficult it is to find miniatures and I think if I'm trying to design something that I think is going to try and be a bit more sort of um, not mainstream but like sort of more more accessible i'll want to know that you could go somewhere and pick up like a, a war band for it you know pre ready made and, and pre-printed um, yeah i mean i think ca case in point on this one is like i've been working on this game called pacific command which is a, a world war ii naval game and so i was not i've not bought any world war ii naval miniatures um up until this point when I started working on this game and it was really eye-opening to discover how difficult it is to acquire those sorts of miniatures outside of like one or two currently in print like modern ranges and then if you go into different scales like I, I'm been I've got some one six thousand ships and there's like one place in the UK that you can get them from and so like 
with a billion suns the spaceships was fairly niche but there were quite a lot of intriguing options and and options that were like had been out of print and so there's a sort of collector sort of aspects to it yeah versus like gaslands where like literally the tesco's at the end of my road has miniatures for this game like it's such a yeah. crazy spectrum and i think it's worth looking into because sometimes it so so with puke apocalypse uh, the game i'm working on at the moment it's gonna be an ink 28 thing everyone's gonna be kit bashing the miniatures for it so it's like it's fair enough that a lot of the miniatures i don't think you could buy like off the shelf whereas um i'm not gonna be i've already got three band war bands that i found completely beautifully sculpted metal miniatures screw you i'm not kibashing anything <laughs> okay but you're kind of i think you're maybe not the the, the the normal ink 28 sort of gamer in that respect whereas um boards and black flags um i want to know that people can pick up a force for it so it's like okay lady pirates uh easy peasy you know that there's there's war bands for that skeleton pirates oh so many options if you want some skeleton pirates oh what the other faction be like like whale fishermen kraken fishermen guys with like big throwing no absolutely not none one one producer and they are not a friendly person to the idea of you using their miniatures in a book so it's like all right okay we're right rewriting that faction and finding that out like early early on like no you you would expect that faction to be available right and, and i think there's also there's also something here which is like okay so 3d printing and 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 open designing should allow you to just have anything that you want hmm. but like i'm also sensitive to the fact that like as a as a purchaser of miniatures and and not an owner of a 3d printer and i know that increasing numbers of people do like i'll also go on etsy with the same eye that i do to going on to like miniature you know websites through google it's like if i can't find a thing through google or through etsy like it might be that somebody makes a miniature 3d sculpt for it but like it's not big enough to warrant anybody having bothered to like offer it on etsy as a separate listing that's also telling me something about whether or not this is going to be a pain to build up uh, you know to get a, a functional game of this new thing off the uh, off the ground or not right um that has been a conversation about the practicalities of prototyping your game how you can put together your cards where you can get counters from um when you should uh produce miniatures whether you should kit bash or whether you should go online and look them up but i think early and making sure that whoever's going to play your game doesn't have too much restraint to sort of uh get some inspirational miniatures on the tabletop is 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 the rule of thumb for all these these bits and pieces um if you have a cool method of prototyping a physical component for a game, drop down to the comment section and tell us about it. If there is a particularly splendid place you can pick up weird and wonderful miniatures, um, other than the obvious, drop down and tell us about that too. Um, go across to the Discord and show us pictures of weird and wonderful miniatures, because everyone likes to look at pictures of miniatures. Um, when I you're in the comments when you're in the comment section hammer on the like and subscribe button for us uh it scratches niche um look us up on social media but uh for now and until next time i think it's gonna be a thank you and goodbye so uh thank you and goodbye, goodbye. thank you goodbye goodbye, goodbye.